This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, and a sad hello. Um, it's a sad hello? It's a sad hello because tonight's tonight's topic overarching is failure. Um, and I'm not going to talk about what you think I'm going to talk about first. That'll come later. <laughs> so <laughs> Before we get into that, we'll, we'll get to that in, in, in due course. Um, but failure in so many ways that I know we always talk about it. And, and people say this all the time. This is the worst it's ever been. It's never been this bad. Everything is bad. Everybody hates everyone else and everybody's at each other's throat. And that's probably true in the moment. Uh, in hindsight, it would appear that those were the glory days um, in our past. And uh, as, as we talk about the, the stories of the day, and, and my, my lineup changed from yesterday. We were going to record yesterday and we weren't able to make that happen. Things have come up today that just infuriate me. Uh, do you want to start with the moderate Merrick Garland, or do you want to start with uh, uh, Kristen Cinema? Do you want to start with what do you want to start with, Tony? You tell me because I could go off on a lot of things right now. Well, no, I think I feel I feel like you uh, should <laughs> start us off with with a stream of consciousness rant, okay. and then we yeah. will um, you, we, we will that. then springboard off of that. <laughs> okay. So over the weekend. Now, if you've not been following the um, Spendapalooza, I don't know the best way to put it. Oh, Democrat, Chad, it's not Spendapalooza because it costs zero. Well, yeah. That's, yeah that's, so when our politicians stand up there and tell you this huge amount of money I want to spend, it's actually zero. It's when my wife comes home from shopping and says, look how much money I saved and the money – she saved is more than I was hoping she would spend total, which tells me she spent a whole lot more. So when our politicians tell you $3.5 trillion or $5 trillion, it's actually zero because we're going to get all, get it all in taxes. Sure. Because I'm an idiot. So when I hear any politician say it's going to cost zero, I think either you're an idiot or you think I'm an idiot. Maybe we're both idiots because that's not even remotely how money works. If I spend $3.5 trillion, I've got to get it from somewhere. Oh, I guess we'll just borrow it. Okay, that's what we'll do. Just borrow the money. So there are two senators in the, in the United States Senate who apparently aren't going along with the Spendapalooza. Now, I'm not going to give Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema the benefit that they don't want to spend money. They just want to spend less it's supposed to sound great by comparison. I only want to spend $1.5 trillion. Oh, that's okay. That's just $2 trillion less. It's still wildly crazy. The bill, the package, again, kind of like Obamacare, we have to pass it to figure out what's in it because we can't actually get a straight answer as to what's in it completely. That's so, because nobody actually knows what's in it completely. They don't care. They, they don't because care. Obamacare, remember, Obamacare was around... 2,500 pages. Yeah. This is 10,000 pages. Yeah. yeah. I want you to think about how insane the, it's not even a legislative process that this has become <laughs> where 
I'm not even sure how they're actually coming up with the amounts that are going to be spent because is there someone that literally went through the 10,000 pages and found every little nugget of spending? I don't think so. So, um, it's, it's a complete abomination and every Republican Senator, um, now to their, well, to their very meager credit, none of them are going to vote for the, what's called the, and Chad, you, we might have to explain this and I don't want to get too detailed about it, but there are two different bills. There is the, the quote unquote infrastructure bill, I believe for the meager amount of 1.2 trillion that, um, is being essentially held up by the crazies in the house Mm -hmm. because they are demanding that the reconciliation package, (laughs) which 87.9% of it has nothing to do with the budget or spending. It's just a wish list of progressive insanity. Um, they, they are demanding that that bill be passed by the Senate in conjunction. And as you alluded to Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kristen Sinema of Arizona, are uh, creating a problem, and that's why Kristen Cinema is being chased into bathrooms oh, and across the airplanes. We right. didn't get there yet. So, but uh, the larger point I'm making here is that there used to be when we actually had I don't know a Congress that did something where you would actually have long public discussion of mm-hmm. what are we proposing in this legislation, and there were three or four perhaps you know major items, not. 17,000 different payoffs and graft and, uh, you know, to constituents and the public would understand what was going to actually be debated. And then we would have an idea of what we were going to pass or not. That doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's literally a bunch of people. I'm not even sure who the people are that write this stuff, whoever they are locked in a closet, you know, 10,000 monkeys clacking away on their typewriters and they come up with their wish list and it gets cobbled together in this 10,000 page monstrosity. No one seems curious about, how it's going to be paid for, what it is, and then we're expected to jam it through. It is a complete disgrace. It is. And you alluded to Kristen Cinema. So Joe Manchin seems sort of kind of maybe holding steady on his wish list of $1.5 trillion. Well, we'll dispense yeah. with Joe Manchin by saying this. Um, I don't really trust Joe Manchin as far as I can throw him. However, Joe Manchin is not a dummy and he's not, he's not a leftist, but here's the most important point or salient point about Joe Manchin. He is the Senator from West Virginia. West Virginia went for Trump. I think this is correct by something like 47 points. I mean, it is, you can't get deeper red right now than West Virginia, because it's a coal mining state. It's an energy state. It has a lot of rural areas. And so Joe Manchin understands I, if I'm seen to go along with this, which by the way, includes not just the spending, but all of the green new deal nonsense that they have packaged into it, which kills his state. He's not going to be the Senator from West Virginia anymore. So this isn't about principle for him. This is about, and look, I don't begrudge him. He represents his constituents. He does not represent the Democratic Party. He represents West Virginians. So he's doing what he believes he needs to do to make sure he's reelected. That's it. Yeah. He's representing the West Virginians as he's supposed to. That I think Correct. that lost in the shuffle here that 
the, the people in the blue states can't understand why you would possibly not go along with it if you're a Democrat because he's representing his state. He has no right to take it back. He has every right to be senator from West Virginia, but he understands that he's a senator from West Virginia because of what he's given to West Virginia. He is not a senator from West Virginia because they want a Democrat in the Senate from West Virginia. He used to be the governor. He's got popularity because of it. He's he's crossed the boundary. It's kind of like uh, a Republican, you know, being a senator from California or New York. Probably not going to happen anytime soon. So if you are, you're, you're going to remember, hey, I'm in a very heavily Democratic state. I might need to remember that when I'm voting uh, in the Senate or, or what I'm putting forth the legislation. It's also it's a very quick snapshot, uh, an explanation for why or how the Democrats think about governing. Because remember, remember all the squalling and gnashing of teeth now over the Electoral College. And also they don't like the Senate anymore because the Senate gives too much power to all these icky rubes in flyover country because, see, they don't view it as individual sovereigns within a federal republic, right? They view it as if you're a Democrat, you represent the Democratic Party and you are supposed to toe the line on our current trending leftist priorities. What do you mean you're representing a bunch of rednecks from West Virginia? You're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to vote with AOC and Ilhan Omar (laughs) and all the other people that are leading the party. They have no use. They have absolutely no use for anyone or any state and any representative of that state that's not willing to sign on to the priorities of essentially California and New York. That's what they want. Correct. And and, and for those of you who don't now, how the Constitution came about, a series of compromises over lots of things, but it gave us a bicameral legislation, which means two tiered legislative branches. One, the House, represented by population. California has 52 representatives in the House of Representatives. So that would seem to, uh, I mean, I'm not good at math, Chad, but see, that seems to benefit California and the Democratic Party, it correct? It, it does, but then the Senate has two representatives from every state. So a state like Wyoming has one representative and two senators and people say, well, that seems unfair. No, that's how it was set up. We are, we do not live in a democracy and that's what people seem to forget all the time. They think we're living in a democracy and the Democrats, hence the name somewhat, uh, they believe it should be mob rule. Basically the largest percentage of people should talk and they should speak for everybody. Cal- so long as those people are Democrats. Well, so when you when we talk about California, people, if you pull up your car or you know anything that's that's got California associated with it, it'll come up and say this has passed something in California. I'm sitting in a chair right now. That when I got it, it it was sent to me. I don't live in California, and there was a sticker on it said California has determined that the materials that make this chair may be carcinogens. You should not use this chair. California said that. The EPA for California says what car mileage should be, so the rest of the country follows. See, the difference for us is California and New York and Illinois, they want to tell, they don't, they're just happy to have their own states, their own sovereignty in those states. They want every other state to be them. And the other states going, wait a minute, don't want to do that. Kind of want to be my own thing. That's why I'm Wyoming and not Illinois. That that surprises people because they think we're supposed to be this because that's what we've always been told. 
we are not a democracy. We are a republic, a representative democracy, but a republic nonetheless. And that is what we've always been, well, since the Constitution was approved. But people don't like that. So you have two senators from each state. That means every state has the same representation in the Senate as every other state. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a split Republican and Democrat from each state. That's certainly possible. It does happen. But it doesn't happen frequently. Tends to be because most states tend to be a little more homogenous in that respect. Previously, Georgia has currently has two Democratic senators, but they had two Republican senators in the previous term. So it just looks at those things. So let's get to Kristen Cinema. To Kristen Cinema, separate from Joe Manchin, doesn't really kind of feel her oats on this $3.5 trillion or more. Uh, she's from Arizona. She knows that she had a thin margin of victory uh, in her Senate seat. She's a first-term senator. So over the weekend, she teaches a class at Arizona State University, and she finished up with her class. Some people wanted to talk to her. She said, I got to go. I'm going to the bathroom. She walks into the public restroom. And these people follow her in, film it, and harass her in the bathroom. Now, I'm not a Kristen Cinema fan. I, I, she's a Democrat. I don't really believe, agree with her on most things. She's standing up sort of, kind of, for this. I'm not super sure it's not self-serving, but that's, that's how politics are sometimes. But she was followed into the bathroom. That night, the same people came and protested outside her house. And then when she flew back to Washington... They were harassing her on the plane. Now, forget what you think about your elected officials. Would you, Tony, be okay if somebody followed you into the bathroom and harassed you, came to your house and harassed you, and got on a plane and harassed you? Would you be okay with that? Would What person would be okay with that? Well, that's what I, well, according to Joe Biden, it's just part of the process. It's sure. okay. It's well, just he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth because the way the Democratic Party now views the process, mm -hmm. and we have seen this over the last four to six years, for them, the process includes, what's the term? Direct action. Yes. And so you see these advocates like Maxine Waters, they're constantly going around advocating, get in their faces. Remember the whole thing where there were mobs of leftists who were just interrupting harassing people at restaurants yep. and, and these were not even people that they knew what their political affiliations were and in fact i suspect most of them because this was in new york were probably like thinking progress mm -hmm. they didn't care mm -hmm. and so the the process for the democratic party right now is essentially a mob a mob who when they don't get their way they're going to show up at your home they're going to dox you they're going to harass you on a plane and what they don't seem to understand is that may work with well, i'm not going to say work you can do that to Kristen Cinema see they do this because they think they have impunity that there's not going to be any consequences and nor do i wish there to be an escalation of this but sooner or later they're going to start harassing the wrong person and then, and then we're going to see someone get seriously hurt because you cannot constantly foment an environment of, let's call this what it is. It's essentially a form of political terrorism. Okay. I'm not using terrorism in the literal sense, uh, like the Taliban or Hamas or a suicide bomber, but it is a form of terrorizing people where if you don't agree with their political opinions, you will essentially, uh, get in their face and, and 
stress them to the point where if I'm Kristen Cinema, do you think I'm going to be walking around without constant security at this point? How does she know that one of these people isn't an insane person who's going to stab her? Uh, I mean, we've already seen, we've already seen, let's see, James Hodgkinson, mm-hmm. right? Who, mm-hmm. who is a Bernie bro who tried to murder the entire Republican congressional caucus at a baseball game. So this stuff happens. And of, of course, Joe Biden is promoting this because this is now their MO. This is what they do. Well, you say possibly a crazy person. If you fall somebody in the bathroom, you're a crazy person. I'm sorry. You don't get to claim I am completely okay when you follow somebody into the bathroom. I think we have a, and it's not written in the Constitution, but I think we have a God-given right to poop in private. I don't think that you should be able to follow me in, record me, and harass me while I'm in the bathroom. I'm sorry. Again, I, I, this is a Democrat. This is part of their own party that they think this is okay. This is not Okay. Not any way, shape, or form is this okay. They did this to uh, Justice Kavanaugh. They came to his house and protested outside of his house at the last uh, Supreme Court ruling that they didn't like. This is not okay. Rand Paul got assaulted by his neighbor because they didn't like how he voted. That is not okay. I don't care who you are. I mean, you could go down the list. They've done it to Tucker Carlson. They showed up at his house. Um Again, this is the theory. This is the Alinskyite practice of again. It's it's mob direct action. That's what it is. We no longer have the ability to. Well, first of all, they've stopped attempting to persuade people a long time ago. They are now only about um, calling people ists or phobes Mm -hmm. and getting to the point where if you don't do what we want, then we will actually exert forcible pressure on you and. They do this even to people, and this is what's amusing, people on the left don't seem to realize that they're not insulated from this because these people are never satiated. Okay, so sure, the low-hanging fruit, of course, is the evil and wicked Republicans and Trump voters, but when they're done with them – and and look at somebody like a Brett Weinstein. Okay, you know who this is? This is the guy from was it Evergreen uh, Community College or yeah. something like that. He now has a very popular podcast. He's a progressive who was basically run out of town on a rail because he simply would not assent to all of the current gospels of the secular left. So they don't even make a line of demarcation here about who their enemies and who their allies are. When they're done with the first enemies, you will become the enemy unless you are willing to do a capitulate to everything that they want but the democratic party actively enables and condones this mm-hmm. and it's interesting so we talk about our friend dr fia a lot and he loves to talk about the alleged era of sort of incivility uh, that was ushered in by donald trump and yet interestingly unless he is going to make the argument that all of these people are taking a lead from donald trump the tactics the tactics that are being employed in this fashion are almost almost exclusively from the left you can, you can go down the list. What do we see in Portland? What do we see in Seattle? What do we see in all of these large cities from Antifa and BLM? All of this rioting and public unrest, this is all. I'll give you 5%, Chad, of the, of the and that's probably way too generous of the Proud Boys running around, you know, some, some yahoos fighting Antifa. But this entire 
it's a it's a form of a sort of mini totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. This is all from the left. And yet we are gaslit every day to somehow believe that it's actually a bunch of MAGA hat militia people who are doing all this. Just look around. Mm-hmm. It's not. No. It, I will say that there are strong feelings on both sides. And that's to be expected the way our media has portrayed everything. But I, I just want to come back to this harassment of our you have a right to disagree with our public officials you 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 certainly can i think we should have a discussion around ideas we talked about that in the past too often it's it's demonizing the other side instead of having a difference of agreement over the way to get there and, and the policies this isn't about policies joe biden said yesterday that uh the republicans need to get out of the way because they're going to destroy this country because they won't raise the debt ceiling. Now, get out of the way. Now, I think that's an interesting way to phrase it um, because the Democratic Party can raise the debt ceiling on their own. They can put this in the reconciliation bill. They can own it, and yet they refuse to own it because owning it would require them to have a backbone and say, yeah, we think this is the right thing. They want to have a bipartisan agreement on this so they can come back and say well, it wasn't just us we didn't raise that debt ceiling it wasn't us and they don't want to lose that reconciliation opportunity for this 3.5 trillion that we talked about those are things when i hear when i hear our presentish biden talk i understand he's trying to portray something that isn't true it's not accurate you can do all this on your own you do not need the republicans because you've said that i heard bernie sanders say over on sunday this is amazing the two senators, Cinema and Manchin, are holding up 48 other senators and 210 representatives from passing this sweeping legislation. Now, hey, get, look who just caught up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, Bernie. That's exactly correct. So now, because w- when you're in a 50 50 Senate, and you have a razor thin margin, and you're acting like you're basically FDR. Any one senator. That is correct, sir. Yes. You, have, you have articulated the way the government is supposed to work. Any one senator can become a, a power broker by withholding his or her vote. That's exactly the way it works. And you know how you solve that? You put forward an agenda that gets 60 senators <laughs> on board. But if you don't do that because you want to cram through your socialist utopia, then you make Joe Manchin – and Kristen Cinema and or Susan Collins and or Mitt Romney, the people that have all of the power because you don't have the ability legislatively to pass your agenda. What a shocking development this is, Chad. Well, so I want to go back to the numbers on that. There are 438 representatives in the House. 210 of them apparently want this agenda. There are 100 senators. 52 of them don't want this agenda. So if I do my math, 210, 48 is less than 100, and 438. Hmm. So what you're saying is, Bernie Sanders, the minority, because that's what you are, should get their way because we want it, and you should just go along with it because the, the American people, I love this. 67% of the American people want this. What what uh, poll did you get that from? 
show me the data on that. I, I don't know if I believe you. What do you think? Is that accurate? Sure. Because, and that's also why if 67% of the people in America wanted this, and I'm sure all of the Democratic legislators in all of these reddish states, they would be trumpeting this, yep. right? There's not a peep from these people. They don't want to discuss this. They don't want to talk about it because they know it's incredibly unpopular. Sure, there's pockets of America that love this. This is their nirvana, right? Yep. But no. And so again, it is a tantrum. It is a foot stompy sippy cup flinging tantrum from people who simply believe they're entitled to wield power even when they haven't been granted it. But I always notice this as well. Presidential election, what do you hear? Anytime a Democrat wins, it's a mandate, right? We have a mandate. Doesn't matter the margin. Anytime a Republican wins, the, there's an immediate demand from the losers mm -hmm. that this administration needs to understand it must work in a bipartisan fashion with the people who were just defeated at the polls. They do not accept any result other than we get our way. It is, yep. it is an infantile worldview. That's what it is. Well, let's talk about infantile worldviews. So our attorney general yesterday put out a memo, and I, I won't speak the legality of it. I'll let you deal with that, Tony. Um, effectively weaponizing all the law enforcement branches of the United States to go after parents who disagree with school boards and teachers and how their children should be educated. Uh, wh what? And then the National School Board Association asked the FBI to treat parents who come to board meetings and talk to them, non-violent, non but just talking to them, treat them as domestic terrorists. So you're saying if I care about my child's education, I'm a domestic terrorist if I disagree with CRT and I, I don't believe in all the radical things that you keep talking about. That makes me a domestic terrorist. But if you disagree with me, I'm just wrong. That that's So legality of this, I'll leave that to you, Tony, if you have any thoughts on that. Well, the legality of it, if it was actually enforced, I mean, is clearly unconstitutional to the, you know, 17th factorial. Uh, I, I want to add, because the Merrick Garland, noted moderate. <laughs> now, the point that I always make about this is, and I say this with grudging respect for um, the left, because the one thing that the left is very good at is, and we've talked about this, they never have anyone who leaves the reservation. Okay, so for instance, um, when uh, this idea, and I even heard this from people who were sort of, you know, establishment Republicans, remember the whole fight where Mitch McConnell, to his credit, said, you in a divided Congress are to Barack Obama, you are not going to replace somebody with Ant in Antonin Scalia's seat until there's a new election. And then guess what? If Hillary Clinton wins that election, you're going to get to go and put, you know, whoever, Rob Reiner, Oprah, whoever you want. Why? But the point was, the point was, is that this, they were already touting how disgraceful that they wouldn't even give a vote to a moderate like Merrick Garland. And my, here was what my rejoinder was. If Barack Obama nominated this person to the Supreme Court, <laughs> by definition, he is a lockstep leftist. And how do I know this? Because they never get judges wrong. 
if they vetted him, and, and I knew his jurisprudence, um, he would have been a rubber stamp on the administrative state. But the point is, the current three-member axis, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer, do they ever... Now, look, there's many, many Supreme Court decisions where they join the majority on, on these very obscure, arcane issues. But on the hot button, okay, culture war stuff, do you ever, Chad, remember... Um, Kagan, Breyer, Sotomayor, before Ginsburg, you go down the list, ever deviating, ever pulling a John Roberts, ever pulling an Anthony Kennedy, ever pulling a Brett Kavanaugh. No, they already know what they're going to do. And so this Merrick Garland, you could tell who he was the minute that his name was put in a nomination proceeding by Barack Obama, which is he's a reliable leftist. And all he's doing is carrying that forward as the attorney general. Now it's interesting since I have now in the last, I don't know, four months spoken up publicly multiple times at school board meetings in uh, opposition to CRT. I suppose I'm, am I on a no-fly list now, Chad? I'm, I, I must be. Hard to tell. I, I, I'm probably in a folder somewhere yeah. uh, being monitored as a domestic terrorist. I don't know. Yeah, we, we joke about it, but it should be frightening to everybody because this is a totalitarian mindset. This is exactly what they do in Venezuela. This is exactly what they do in Iraq and Iran. Well, not Iraq so much now, but Iran and North Korea and China, East Germany, Eastern, China. Yeah, all, you know this is what they, this is the part that should frighten you. That a bureaucrat, and that's what the AG is. He's not a he's not an elected official. You didn't vote for him. You voted for Joe Biden, and he p- appointed uh, Garland. But the fact that somebody like this can just put out what is clearly not a constitute. Go back to the IRS denying tax exempt status to conservative groups. Go back to Facebook. <laughs> I bring up Facebook because they've got a, and I want to use a quote unquote whistleblower who told us that Facebook was tipping the scales and it's harmful to people. I know this is a shock to anybody with a functioning brain, but this is considered whistleblowing because they want Facebook in line. This is happening all around us. This should scare everyone listening. I'm not trying to fear monger here. If you can be put on a list simply because you disagree with how something is presented, the fact that you you actually care enough about your child's education to speak up about it shows that you have backbone and all the intellectuals will be taken out and reeducated or shot at dawn. This is Dr. Fia talks about anti-intellectual. I I disagree with him that there are, a lot of people are anti-intellectual. I think we are anti-socialist, anti-communist, because that's what I get from a lot of these college campuses. I get the way of doing things is this way, and that's considered intellectual when it's not really intellectual. It's a very skewed version of intellectual. So when I look well, at no, it's, it's anti it's because they love to play this game where they'll do, they'll cite polls sure. where Republicans are conservatives and they'll ask them about college. And then they'll pretend that the reason that conservatives have an issue with higher education or the education system in general is because they hate science yeah. because they have one tooth <laughs> that they brush in the Appalachian mountains. No, what it is is that the, they understand what our colleges are 
predominantly have become, which is indoctrination centers for a very radical ideology. Mm -hmm. And again, if you don't believe that that's true, you need to get out more because all you need to do is go online to any, pick an Ivy League school and read the curriculum and read the statements that are being made by the professors and read, in fact, up on when they do polls about political allegiance uh, and affiliation. It's literally in the humanities departments in most of these schools, it's like 50 to 1, mm-hmm. 47 to 1, 38 to 0, right? And so the objection is not to learning and knowledge and books. It's to the people who are the opposite of liberals, meaning they're not interested in open and free inquiry. They're not interested in free speech. They're not interested in a survey of competing views. They're interested in dogmatic shouting and screaming down any opposing voices. That's what they're opposed to. And that's what the modern Democratic Party has wedded itself to. That's the reason we are in so much trouble right now, because for 40 years, these people have been given free reign to churn out like an assembly line, people who think like Ilhan Omar and AOC and go down the list who have no use for the Constitution or freedom of speech that disagrees with them or tolerance of any views other than those which agree. That's why we are where we are as a culture right now. It, it, you're 100% right. Um, we both have advanced degrees. We both, we've gone to college, multiple different degrees. And, and I don't think that's a problem. So I, I believe in education. I believe in knowledge and learning. And I believe in exchange of ideas, which is what universities were founded under. I don't believe in indoctrination because I believe that. So one of our listeners, got to see Ben Shapiro live last night, got to hear him talk and debate, sort of talk with a, a, a liberal millennial. Uh, and it was, he said it was wonderful and it was, it was a great opportunity. Uh, he said, I could reach out and touch his yarmulke. That's how close he was. So <laughs> that's a pretty close uh, situation, but I believe in the debate of ideas. And I think you can both, you can walk away and say, I disagree with your idea. You disagree with my ideas, but we don't have to demonize and, treat the other side like they're evil. And I don't think that's what's happening in college. I think a lot of colleges, and you said Ivy League, I think it's permeated a whole lot further than the Ivy League. I think you can go to a lot of schools right now and get that. Oh, no, it's, it's everywhere. No, I mean, it, I, well, I just use that as an example because right. those are supposedly the, the elite institutions. Right. Actions of learning. But I think that's where we have to be careful. If you don't, if, if I go to uh, my child's school, public school, I think last year, gave parents a window into what their children were being taught. If they were being taught at all. And I would say that a lot of teachers weren't teaching. They were just going through the motions. But if you popped into a, a zoom call while your child was on online, you might've been surprised to hear some of those things you might've been. And I think a lot of parents were, I think that's why you're seeing this pushback. And I think that's why the school boards are going, Whoa, whoa people actually understand what's going on. I, that's not good for us because we could just slide it in because you can indoctrinate the young. That's the whole point. That's not what we want. You need to take an active role in your child's education. If you don't have children, take an active role in your grandchild's education. You have to make sure they understand when they walk out of those doors that it's not about them all the time. It's about the group. And this, this indoctrination that they're getting I mean, my daughter came home and she was talking about recycling and we got to do this. And I'm like, okay, hold on. What was the purpose behind that? 
Because we can talk about recycling. We can talk about what that means and what it actually happens. I said, did you realize that when they take the recycling from out in front of our house, they put it with the trash and dump in the same pile in the, at the dump? That's what, that's what happens. That recycling doesn't go anywhere. It makes you think you're doing something. You're doing nothing in a lot of communities. That's, um, that's been debunked as Russian disinformation, Chad. <laughs> I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. Um, so yeah. I, I actually, I wanted to just, uh, because we were talking about moderation and the, the quote-unquote moderation and the surreal period that we're in. So I don't know if you followed this. This is just one of these, it's like these daily nuggets where you can't keep up with the insanity. It's beyond satire. Yeah. So did you, this, by the way, people who are listening, I promise you that this is not a made up story. It's not from the Babylon Bee. This is an actual <laughs> thing that happened. Um, so do you know, Chad, did you follow Joe Biden's pick to uh, regulate the banking industry? Did you I follow did. this? I did. Go ahead. Okay. That's so good. Th- because this is, this is literally like something you would read in Mad Magazine, <laughs> but this actually happened. And so this is again from moderate, good old moderate Scranton boy, uh-huh. Joe Biden. So his pick to oversee the national banks. I forget what the title is. It's like the office of something. Exchequer, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Her name is, I don't know how to pronounce it. Saul, S-A-U-L-E, Omarova. She sounds like a Bond villain. Yes. And uh, she is a professor at Cornell. Shocking. Mm-hmm. And she is a native of Kazakhstan. And she graduated from Moscow State University, where, again, I, I, I'm not making this up, although it's something I would write. She received the Lenin Personal Academic <laughs> Scholarship. I mean, that's fantastic. The only thing better would be the Mao, the Chairman Mao uh, Academic Scholarship. And so she, this is, okay, now this is not also ancient history, right? As recently as 2019. Two years. (laughs) Omarova, Bond villain, praised the former Soviet Union for having no pay gap. And her quote, this is actually on Twitter, was this, quote, until I came to the U.S., I couldn't imagine that things like gender pay gap still existed in today's world. This is my favorite part. Say what you will about old USSR. Yes, say what you will, Chad. There was there was no gender pay gap there. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You know what other things they didn't have? They didn't have a gulag gap either. It was totally equal. It was Women painful. and men all together sent to their deaths. They didn't have a famine gap. Nope. They had. They didn't have an execution gap. There was a whole bunch of things they didn't have. This person has been nominated to – oh, and she also actually wants to destroy, of course mm-hmm. – the capitalist pig wrecker banks. Yes. yes. <laughs> I believe she said, I believe the, the quote was, I think the USSR did a better job with their monetary system. You Hold on, hold on. The country <laughs> who went bankrupt and couldn't pay their bills, and it was equal opportunity, no food on the shelves, no matter if you're man or woman. You well, but find. you know what? There was yeah. no breadline gap, Chad. No. So just stop. No, there was Just stop. But I love the phrase, <laughs> say what you will about the USSR. Oh, there's many things to say. Yes, there many are. trivial, many trivial picayune things that we could point out about the oh. old USSR. And again, I emphasize this, people. This is not a story from Mad Magazine, from Cracked, from Saturday Night Live. This is the current nominee from this administration to regulate the banking industry. And if you don't believe me, please. Now, you probably can't find it on Google because they've – if you you poke around enough, you will find the links to this. Yeah. You should be frightened every time – well, 
I am frightened every time Joe Biden opens his mouth because I'm not sure what gobbledygook is going to come out. We went through the Bidenese training uh, last week with my daughter so she could understand when Biden speaks, you know what he was saying. It's it's frightening to hear what he says. But every time he speaks and everybody he nominates, to, to Tony's point about Barack Obama and Merrick Garland, if Biden nominates them, you know they're a crazy whack job. You know they're they're trying to destroy our country because he nominated again. Wouldn't have nominated. Another another quick trip down very recent memory lane. The current woman who is heading up the DOJ Civil Rights Division, yes, uh, has stated. We've talked about this mm-hmm. that blacks are innately superior to other races because of their melanin content. She has never disavowed these remarks. She wrote them when she was at Harvard. No one has ever asked her again about it because, of course, we don't want to bring that up. And she has an identical worldview to Richard Spencer or any other hooded clans person. Yeah. And yet she, again, she's not just nominated. She is now running the civil rights division of the department of justice. I believe her name is Kristen Clark. Yeah. yeah. She is a, she is beyond radical. She is an open and devout racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, this is Alice in Wonderland. E. Yeah. e. Cummings. This is, this is, this is in, you can't make this up. And because it happens so fast and furious, which I think is part of the um, it's part of the strategy is that number one, people don't believe it when you tell them. And number two, there's so many things to keep up with that people's eyes just glaze over like, Oh, whatever the, the late the latest insanity. Oh, yeah. Other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? That, that kind of thing. Uh, yes. Speaking of E.E. E. Cummings, I tried to do that. I tried to. Get- by the way, E. E. Cummings is not Alice in Wonderland. That's Lewis Carroll. That's Lewis Carroll. But E. E. Cummings, for those who don't know, he would he would write in lowercase. He didn't he didn't capitalize anything. I tried to do that, and one of my teachers said, "You're not E. e. Cummings. Your poetry isn't that good." Just on the side. Was E. e. Cummings' poetry that good? No, but it was an English teacher, so we were right. poetry. I, I personally, I don't have much time for poetry to begin with, so it's not really. I'm not a good judge of that. You're not a you're not a Robert Frost guy. I like I like Robert Frost. If I got to read poetry, sure. But if I don't, Sylvia Plath, you like so good old Sylvia. Not really. <laughs> Let's just say if I have to read poetry, it's Robert Frost. If I don't have to read poetry, it's nobody. I I, I don't choose to read poetry. I don't buy a book of poetry because I don't see the value in it. It's I know I know what your Christmas gift is now. Chad. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be some dark poetry. I'm sure the, the complete works of Maya Angelou. Oh, I will be sending those to you. Oh, please, no. Th- or it's the that that lady who did uh, Biden's inauguration. That young scholar. Uh, Shining Hill something. I know. Uh, she probably has a Netflix uh, oh, show now. It's coming, it's coming. So I want to talk about the IRS. Um, it's part of this $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. We've talked about this in the past. The IRS uh, is planning to double in size. And I said at the time, be afraid, be very afraid. The IRS doesn't double in size just because they're trying to speed up your refund. That is not why they double in size. But according, there's a there's an insertion in this. Again, we can, it's ten thousand pages. I haven't actually seen the verbiage, but there be, appears to be an insertion that any transaction over six hundred dollars needs to be reported to the IRS. So, in case you don't know, currently the only transactions that need to be reported to the IRS are for ten thousand dollars or more. So, it's nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Your bank is not required to report that to the IRS. Now the the now you should make the point, Chad, that 
this is the banking side. Correct. Of course, that money is required if it's income to you. Correct. You're going to separately report that, unless you're a tax cheat, to the IRS. This is simply part of what is required of yes. banks because yes. there are multiple different entities that are being monitored and regulated by the federal government. Yes. So to, to Tony's point, it's 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 something you should be reporting to income. If you receive $600 for you know painting somebody's bedroom, then you should report that because that is income. But every transaction over $600, according to if this passes, would need to be reported to the IRS, ostensibly to make sure they captured all that tax. Now, think about- Well, actually, it's not even about that, supposedly, Chad. Did you listen to the testimony of Janet Yellen, who was being grilled about this? And I forget who the- I don't know whether it was a congresswoman. I think it was a congresswoman. And so she was, of course, saying, I think this is outrageous. Where do you get off demanding that American citizens should now have to provide this information to the federal government? This is These are payments that are small enough to cover you know, a dentist's bill, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the, the supposed justification from Janet Yellen was, no, 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 no. We have no desire to pry into the lives of the lemmings. What we are attempting to do is catch the whales in uh, Vegas parlance, all of the big fraudsters, to which sensibly this woman responded, well, are they the ones that are typically handling uh, their business with individual $600 transactions? Is that how you're going to catch the, the massive Cayman Island tax cheats? And of course, Yellen apparently didn't expect someone to respond in that fashion to the the idiotic thing that she had just said. And so she just doubled down and said, no, no, it's not about audits. It's not about collecting the most money. It's about, see, Chad, it's always about keeping you and me safe. Mm -hmm. They just want the best for us, Chad. Why are you opposed (laughs) to them protecting you? It's for the children. Don't you care about the children, Tony? Yes, and the lemonade stand revenue is going to have to be reported to the IRS in order to protect the children and the bake sale. Yes, yes. And all of the proceeds from the – do they even have Girl Scouts anymore, Chad? I don't know. I'm saying that seriously. Are the the Girl Scouts allowed to exist? Think so, but the boy is it the birthing person scouts? I don't. I don't know who they. I don't know what the label is. Birthing persons. We don't know if they're birthing persons yet. Uh, But potential birthing persons. Yes. In addition to the six hundred dollars, that would mean if you have an aggregate of more than six hundred dollars in your account at any time in the year, you know, you get direct deposit and you make more than minimum wage, you're probably going to have more than six hundred dollars in your account. That means that all gets reported. So every time you get paid. That gets reported. Now, but let's say, make another point. Let's sure. make another very quick point. Sure. As with all onerous, useless, wasteful, intrusive regulations, there are attendant costs. Oh. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what do you think it's going to take for the banks to now comply with this new yeah. regulation? They're going to have to hire who knows how many boffins to monitor these transactions and perhaps likely upgrade whatever software that they use to the tune across the country of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And where do we think that's going to be passed on to? Mm, I can't imagine it's going to be free for us, is it? 
Do you think that the banking fees from the result of this new and improved regulation are going to go down or up? And this was one of the things I loved about Jen Psaki's uh, discussion of the the Biden free, no cost, $3.5 trillion. She literally said something like this, because I think it was Peter Ducey, who I'm amazed they actually still call on him. I am shocked by this. Said, said what do you essentially – don't you understand that economists have looked at this and when you increase the tax burden, which will result on companies, right, this gets transferred to the consumer. Okay, this is this is even in the most progressive – well, I shouldn't say that. In, a, in an, a school of economics that has not gone deeply crazy, they recognize this. This is common economic theory, right? And Pisaki's incredible response was – not to deny that that happens, but to basically say, well, that would be wrong. And we are expecting that that's not going to happen in fantasy land, right? Essentially, oh, and by the way, she never actually got around to explaining why that would be wrong. In other words, we're foisting a new centrally planned burden on all of you businesses, but don't you dare attempt to offset those costs by guess what in a free market charging them to other people so you don't go out of business so you can still make a profit but chad that would be wrong for them to do that yes they have to just take it the same way that when the government increases the minimum wage and someone explains to the government well since I have six employees and now I have to pay them each $5 more and that reduces my profit margin to nil, I'm going to lay off three employees. Jen Psaki's response to that would be, that would be wrong. You need to continue to have those people on your payroll and go out of business. Yes, yes. Well, the $15 has started to slide. I'm, I'm starting to see editorials calling for $20 an hour to pay them a living wage. I thought 15 well, was a living wage, but apparently listen, is. If if the centrally planned artificial cost of labor has no negative externalities, as one might say, then why isn't it a hundred dollars an hour? Sure. Why so why stingy? Yeah, exactly. Just money. Look, it's got to come look, from somewhere. Everyone should have a Lexus, hundred bucks an hour. If we can print a trillion dollar coin, <laughs> we can certainly have a hundred dollar an hour mandatory minimum wage, right? Yeah. So uh, before we get into my, my screed at the end here. Uh, I just saw this article today. It's actually on Twitter. It involves our state. Um, it would involve both of us and the person writing this. So do you know who uh, Chris Robb is? Representative Chris Robb. I know the name. I don't, I don't know much. He represents the Northwest Philadelphia 200th district in the state of Pennsylvania house of representatives for the state. Uh, I now know where this is going. Yeah, you do you. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, um, this person has decreed he's going to introduce legislation that will require, and his words, all inseminators. I would just say men, but he says inseminators uh, that have will have to get uh, fixed if they have three children after they have their third child or at the age of 40. Now, I believe he's over 40 and he has four kids, so I'm not really sure where the three and 40 came from. Well, one of his children will have to be taken away. Apparently, it's going to get put up for adoption, so sorry for you, kid. Uh, he's introducing this legislation. now, on the, And there's a $10,000 fine that half goes to the state, half goes to the person 
reporting it if they find somebody who's passed those guidelines. Right. So you're going to be producing your vasectomy passport. Is that it? Uh, pretty much, yes, because right. we should respect women, and this is about reproductive rights, and he wants to make this deal. Now, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a jest in reaction to Texas abortion laws because he took it from Illinois, who is taking that same $5,000 uh, going to the state and $5,000 going to fund uh, abortions for people from Texas, women from Texas, so that they can continue to get abortions elsewhere. But my point is, this is an actual representative of the state we live in who thinks it's okay. Now, understand something. I think legislatures pass way too many laws. There's way too much legislation coming out constantly about everything. But he's taking up precious legislation time to introduce this garbage. So if it's a joke, ha-ha, it's a joke, shut up. If it's not a joke, ha-ha, get this guy out of power because he shouldn't be there, and he's introducing garbage. There's no way to distinguish in, in the era that we exist in. You can't distinguish a joke from the real thing because if you, if you drop me onto planet Earth after I had been, I don't know, uh, in Anywhere. the uh, – the the Andromeda galaxy and told me what was going on, I would think the entire thing was some kind of massive joke. I mean, every day we've been pointing this out again, whatever her name is, bond villain, Russian yeah. Soviet banker, uh, regulator, you can't make this stuff up. Nope. So I'm, I'm assuming this is in deathly earnest, just like all the other stuff that emanates from these people. They, they uh, and of course, it's Philadelphia. So yeah, I'm sure there's many, many people that would be cheering on this idea. Yeah. And look, when you look around at what they're mandating for COVID, well, I, uh, so one quick, one quick anecdote along those lines, and I can't remember, uh, you can find this article, but there is now a hospital system in, Louisiana. I wish I remembered what state. Louisiana. So you know where I'm going? Yes. In Louisiana, so not only, of course, do they mandate that all of their employees must be vaccinated, which is, I mean, good grief, that's that's the, the baseline now for these hospital systems. They've come up with the other very inventive ratchet, which is, oh, and by the way, if you're married to someone, now remember, who doesn't work for us, who, who has nothing to do with our hospital system, but if you happen to be married to someone who's not vaccinated, we're going to dock your pay to the tune of $200 a month, I believe. Yes. Now, my view is that is completely illegal. But see, here's what's going on now. And, and Joe Biden has given the game away because the president is doing this. Guess what? The legal system takes a long time to sort these things out. We're simply going to impose the lawless stuff now. Mm -hmm. And then we'll wait to see if somebody tells us in two years in a robe that we have to stop. That's what Joe Biden said about the CDC suddenly having authority over rental contracts nationwide. He flatly admitted, yeah, I don't think we have the ability to do this, but heck, it'll give <laughs> us some time. We can flout the law. I don't remember what my oath was anyway. Uh, and then if the courts decide we're wrong and reverse all of this, hey, guess what? At least we got six months of lawless control over all of the rental contracts in the U.S. And so what everyone else has realized, hey, let's adopt the same strategy, right? Yeah. We will get away with as much as we can as long as we can. And if somebody finally slaps us down, no harm done. No. Well, a little tweak on that. The it's if your partner is insured on their plan, okay, they'll, ta they'll tax which, which doesn't, in my view, doesn't change the analysis no, whatsoever. No, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, I, and I agree with you 100%. I 
they said if they get off the insurance plan and go onto their own plan, then they won't charge you the hundred dollars a pay. But that doesn't change. We talk about we talk about choices, okay? And, and California Governor Newsom has come out and said as soon as the FDA approves the COVID nineteen vaccine officially approves for twelve and up or whatever age they agree to, he's going to mandate that every student in the state get the COVID nineteen vaccine. When when you're told. I'm mandated to do this or I lose my job. I'm mandated to do this or I can't get an education. I'm mandated to do this or go to jail because I don't follow through with what you're doing or I'm going to be taxed. That's not, and they say, well, you have a choice. Well, you, re- you really don't have a choice uh, as to what you can do. You, you either comply or you face the consequences, but neither choice is really amenable to most people. This is not a compromise. This is a dictate. So when it's a dictate, it's not, it's not a choice. It's, do this or else. So this is all stick and no carrot. There's no carrot here. It's all stick. And I think people need to understand what you're talking about. And Tony brings it up for Louisiana. It's the largest health system in the state of Louisiana. That's a problem because if you're a, you're a nurse and you don't want to get the vaccine for whatever reason, you can't work there. But if you stay working there and your spouse doesn't want to get it because you know, their body, uh, too bad. We're going to, we're going to put this tax on you because we can, because we're the state and we get to make decisions and we don't really care about the courts. doesn't matter to us. Well, and, and note this as well. I would think the vast majority of people, um, okay. So there's a lot of families that are two working families, but probably there's a large percentage of people within that hospital system that the single biggest, uh, benefit to them is that their spouse is allowed to be on their health insurance, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same thing at many different jobs. Mm-hmm. So what they're effectively doing, they know what they're doing, which is we know that 60, 70% of our employee spouses are on our plan. Mm-hmm. And so in order for them to avoid the 200 bucks, they're going to have to decide do I kick my my spouse? Where is your spouse, particularly if they're not working? Oh, so they're going to go on the exchange and now spend <laughs> yes. th- whatever it's going to be. Uh, yes. Let's say you find the uh, the lead policy, you know, the <laughs> the fourth tier. You're, or let's say you find the platinum policy. Well, now you got an all new deductible. Uh-huh. You got eight thousand uh-huh. dollars out of pocket, and nobody's going to do that. No. And so they're either going to get the jab or they're going to pay the money. As you said, it's not a choice no. by any way, shape, or form. It is coercion. It is yeah. straight coercion. It, it is, and I think most families, if you have two working people and both companies offer a health plan, you look at every year and go, okay, which one's the best one for us? Which one are we going to maximize our benefit with reducing our payment, whatever that is? If you both go on your separate plans, it's going to cost you more. I don't care what plan you're on. It's going to cost you more because you're paying those deductibles. You're paying everything. It will cost you more to be on separate plans. But this, this hospital doesn't care about that. They care about their people. And also, don't forget, this is $100 per pay per person understand that this is disproportionately going to affect the lower paid wages of those employees. So your, your food service and your janitorial staff are going to proportionally pay a whole lot more than your doctors. The doctor might say, eh, it's, isn't it, isn't it funny, Chad, how all of these allegedly progressive policies in actuality and implementation turn out to be incredibly regressive. Almost every single one. Their tax policies. Oh, what's going on right now with the inflation that's being caused by the Biden, uh, you know, 
trillion, gazillion, Brazilian dollar numbers. Oh, well, <laughs> everything that is a staple, everything that is gasoline, food, utilities. And again, who has the hardest problem suffering that type of hit? Oh, it's not the people that are living up uh, in Martha's Vineyard. No, it's all the constituencies that they claim to care about and are they're protecting. They're looking out for them by making their life much more difficult economically. I mean, th- this is every one of their policies does this. Oh, yeah. And, and that's part of the problem. So we'll have much more to talk about this as, as the days unfold. Don't get too- Yes, I want to hear now, because this should be very good, because this is now a justified um, screed that should be forthcoming from okay. Mr. Chad relating to the Steelers. Well, it's, it's a lot of things. So uh, I call this Lamentations from the Lazy Boy. Because that's what it... I like that. It's a little alliterative. I liked it. Uh, so when we last talked, the Steelers were one and one. They'd beaten Buffalo and they lost to uh, I don't know the Raiders, I think it was. That's fine. Ben Roethlisberger's in his 18th season. Okay. Um, He's done. Uh, well, <laughs> so I'm watching the game on Sunday. Uh, they stunk up the joint against the Packers. The Packers are okay they're not great Aaron Rodgers is still a really good quarterback but they're an okay team I saw in the second I think quarter, they're good I think they're good they're, they're better they're than good. okay I, well I don't I don't think they're a bad team I think they're just I don't think they're elite right now maybe they will be they're, the they're not one of the they're not one of the four or five best teams in the league but right. they're right in the tier below yeah, that. So right I, I would consider that a good team oh yeah yeah definitely so second quarter Ben steps back to pass all arm in the air like I'm just gonna wing it down the field a defender smacks his arm. He drops the ball. The defender hit his arm. Didn't hit him on the body. Ben standing flat-footed. Ben falls to the ground like an old man, like somebody pushed him off his walker. And I looked at it and I said, he's done. He can't even – Big Ben can't stand up. That's a problem. He can't stand up. He missed a lot of throws. He, he had a miserable statistical game as well as a – game in general they can't well so here's the thing if you look at their their offense is beyond anemic and and the thing now about ben which wasn't even i mean it was trending in that direction last year Mm -hmm. so this is a staggering thing and i saw this and i'm pretty sure this is correct that they have attempted four fourth down conversions Mm -hmm. this this year when they attempted to pass and not a single one of them did the throw reach the sticks. Yeah. Now, what, if you don't follow the NFL, what that means is they threw a pass on fourth down that was not yet to the next first down marker. Yep. And Ben, I think his arm is screwed up. Uh, it was screwed up last year. It's gotten worse. He can't throw the ball downfield. And I also saw a chart where someone had looked at his pass uh, like the like one of those spray charts where you can yeah. see where his throws are going. It's all right by the and line. It's, <laughs> yes, literally, if you go 20 yards downfield, there's almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And the middle of the field, almost nothing. And why is that? Because those are dangerous throws, and you actually have to have some velocity when you're throwing it there, mm-hmm. or you risk turnovers. He can't even throw the ball to huge areas of the field. Well, so... There was some Mike Tomlin has his press conference today. He always has on Tuesday, and they asked him about checking down in the fourth down plays. So if Ben, eighteen year veteran, 
should be able to read a defense and understand what he's looking at for the most part. Obviously, they can disguise a little bit. It was obvious that the play that was being called for those fourth down plays on Sunday was not going to succeed, likely not succeed against the defenses that they were seeing. So he had no ability to call what's called a check down and change the play. He couldn't change the play. And that was based on Chase Claypool not being in the lineup, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Chase Claypool is one person and they have other wait, receivers. Wait, did Tomlin actually say yeah. that Roethlisberger did not have the, did, did he mean he's not allowed? He said based on the personnel, based on the scheme and we've, We've made decisions ahead of time for these situations. And in that situation, we, we go with what we've planned for versus what he might see on the field, which is insane. That that's just well, that's completely crazy. And and particularly because if there's one thing that an 18-year vet in the league you can re- should be able to rely on them to do, and Ben has done this throughout his career, and you're facing a fourth down, it's nuts to say we've got option a and that's it and if it doesn't work we turtle up and i guess we fail no what you do is just like on any other uh play call in the passing game you have option a b and c you have your hot read if that doesn't work and the idea that he's not he has no ability to it's like you're stuck with it Sorry, they've diagnosed it pre-snap, and now we're dead. <laughs> we can't change it. That's bonkers. That's bonkers. So, and the other part is, he said today, Ben Roethlisberger gives us the best chance to win. Well, unfortunately, I believe that is true. Who Chad is on the depth chart? I don't. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. My there's two indictments. One, Ben, he he started the season four touchdowns short of 400. He's, he's thrown one touchdown in each of the first four games. Now, if you ask me at the beginning of the season, is he going to break 400 touchdowns? Yeah. Did I think it would take four games to do that? No, I do not think that was legitimately expected. He's not, I don't believe Tomlin's playing to bench Ben, and I don't believe Ben's going to take himself out of the game. So to no, there, this is, they're going to have to play out the string. Well, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be horrendous. This is going to be a death march for the rest well, of the season. You're, you're wasting Najee Harris. Because he can. well, that's because their offensive line is a shambles. It's and what, oh, so, this is my question for you because I'm not a Steelers fan, so mm-hmm. I don't really follow this. What is the deal with the defense now? Is is Watt still out? He he played on Sunday. He was out uh, against Cincinnati two because weeks. this team. So let let's. Uh, I want to I want to give you a hypothetical here. I'm going to give the Steelers the benefit of the doubt, and and I'm going to make the argument that they went into the off season from last year thinking, okay. We know that Ben is aging. He can't play the way he used to five years ago, but we're going to go with the Peyton Manning model when Peyton was in Denver. And if you remember, yeah. you don't forget this. Uh, when he was, um, when he his first season there, he was prolific, threw for a ridiculous first number season. of yards, but they, but they got to the Super Bowl, and then the Legion of Boom destroyed them. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, when their defense was even better, Peyton's health he physically was a shell. He literally that season, I believe had seven touchdowns and 19 interceptions or seven and 12 or something. So he was, he was a complete non-factor. However, they won the Super Bowl because their defense was tremendous and they had a great running game. Mm -hmm. So my thought is, and I will pitch this to you. Were the Steelers thinking, okay, we're going to draft Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. Who's a stud. 
And we have a very, very stout, reliable defense, a top five unit with Watt. Now we have Melvin Ingram. Mm -hmm. And Ben is still good enough as a just to stay upright as a game manager, we're going to win with defense, conservative running. We've got a stable of decent receivers, and Ben's not going to have to carry us at all. All we need from him is, you know, 12 for 20 for 150 yards. Don't turn the ball over, and we're going to win games 19 to 10. Was that the plan? <clears throat> so I think, I think from a from Kevin Colbert, who's the GM, um, Kevin there's rumor that Kevin plans to retire when Ben does Ben came back. I think Kevin wasn't expecting to come back because so Kevin's retiring this season. Um, <laughs> if, that, if the rumors are true. Yes. I, I believe they didn't have any um, plan in place for the line. Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro both retired in the off season. And I don't think they had anybody left that they, that they could shove in there. So they, they've got some, <clears throat> They have people who have a pulse playing the line right now, including center, who are not really good right now. Maybe they will be at some point. They aren't right now. They drafted Najee Harris because they recognized the running game was not great. They let James Conner go to um, Arizona. They still have Benny Snell, who I think his claim to fame is he has dreadlocks and gold cap teeth. Other than that, I'm not really sure what he brings to the game. He's slow. He can't catch well. And he always seems to run the same draw play. So I'm not sure what he brings to the table. So they brought Najee Harris thinking, okay, but the line's not good. He's not getting enough feeds. They're throwing around the field. And I believe they, they believe that the first 11 games of last year were the real Ben. And the last five were an aberration instead of predictive of what he's performing. Now, I think they thought he, he was just kind of rusty from the surgery he had the previous year and that he was going to be good. They have no backup. So, uh, you know, can I, can I mention sure. th- this yet again? I say this about the NFL all the time and it drives me crazy. And I, and this is because I am a, a lifelong fan of Philip rivers. Chad, do you remember the, uh, the classic, uh, Oscar winning movie days of thunder? I do. Uh, with uh, Tom Cruise as Cole Trickle and Robert Duvall. What was his name? He's his chief. Yeah, I don't remember. His crotchety. And one of the scenes in the race, because the for those of you who have not seen this masterpiece, Cole Trickle, <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise's character was he was running open wheel. See, he was a he was a California Formula One guy, yep. and he decided to just up and run. NASCAR. And so Krusty Codger, Robert Duvall has to explain to him the realities of stock car racing because he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And one of the scenes in the movie, Robert Duvall says to Cole, he says, now Cole, tires win the race. And Cole doesn't understand this and he explains you can't run up your tires. Now, why did I say that? Because in the NFL, The offensive line wins the race. Mm -hmm. It is the most important position group on the team. And I will say that I've said this before, and I think every general manager and coach in the league would agree with this. I would much rather have the best offensive line in the league and mediocre skill position players rather than elite skill position players and a terrible offensive line. If your offensive line stinks, it doesn't matter who is behind it. It will not be successful. So for instance, Najee Harris, I think is actually going to be a very good running back if he doesn't get killed or injured out of the league, but he has nowhere to run. 
So I don't understand these plans, and the Chargers did this year after year. Oh, that's okay. We got Phillip Rivers. We'll draft some more offensive talent. Oh, our line is 27th, 29th, 31st in pass protection. No worries. These teams that don't build around the offensive line. Now, I understand it may take time to do that. Offensive linemen are not available on every street corner, particularly good ones. They're very valuable. Sure. But when you go and draft a running back, what were, when was Najee Harris taken? Was he their number one pick? He was. First round? I believe so. He was the first. I don't know if they had a first round this year. I don't know. Okay, whatever. He was the first guy off the board, and that's great. But he has nowhere to run because your offensive line is a disaster. So you're wasting him. This is the same thing with Saquon on the Giants and all this other stuff. And so what I'm telling you is the Steelers are never going to do anything. I don't care if Ben is five years ago, Ben. If you can't give protection and you can't open holes, it doesn't matter who's back there. He was a 24th pick in the first round. So he was uh, near the bottom, but he was yeah. the first pick for the Steelers. And I mean, he's had some highlights. You saw the stiff arm. The guy's a sledgehammer. I mean, he's yeah. he's an incredible athlete. He reminds me a lot of Derrick Henry, honestly. Yeah. Well, well he's well, in that mold. That makes it makes sense. So I believe the Steelers offensive line has suffered since Mike Munchak left to go to Denver. So I think I think that's been slowed downhill from there. But you're right. The, the offensive line is horrible. I don't know. I. I don't know what the thought process was in Pittsburgh from the, the organization. I There is no backup. Dwayne Haskins apparently has talent, but he's not better than a guy who can't throw down the middle of the field. That, and I, I, I don't think so. I, I've seen Haskins. He may have talent. He, he looks completely lost. Uh, I, I, think, I think he's one of these guys that simply uh, – lacks the ability to play at the pace and process at the pace of the NFL game. So he, and, and then you got Mason Rudolph, right? That's your bench, right? That's your, that's your QB depth chart. Here, here's the thing. <clears throat> I, I look at the, They said, we don't have a, a young talent to evaluate and they're probably right. You know, Mason Rudolph, we've seen what he can do. Not great. We Washington showed us what Dwayne Haskins can do unless something dramatically changed. Not great. Why did we go into the season with an 18 year veteran who is not Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Phil Rivers? He's not that person. Why did we think this was sufficient? You know, look, and look here's the thing and look at all of the guys that were available. Yeah on the free agent market. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at what Teddy Bridgewater is doing now in Denver. Yeah. Well, he's hurt, but he was doing, yeah, he was doing, I mean, you, you could go down the list. Here's the thing. What if you went and got cam? That's what I was just saying. What about cam Newton? Is he that, is he that bad that he's not improving over a band right now? Cause I I don't think he's, I don't think he's a, he's not any longer uh, a viable starter meaning Correct. he's going to take it but guess what you, you throw him in instead for yeah instead of ben he he's not going to be worse he no. can actually throw the ball downfield at least somewhat what so i i don't know what you do but i i the indictment is top down uh, in this organization because you went into the season with a bad team now you can't always be on top i i get that and it's really really hard to work the salary cap to keep talent 
as well as keep them fresh. I mean, TJ Watt signed his big deal and, and he hasn't done a whole lot yet <laughs> this season. So maybe he will. Ben's got four touchdowns and four interceptions. Has, has Melvin Ingram done anything? Melvin Ingram looked good against Buffalo in the first game of the season. They got him out in slot coverage. He's not a crazy. Cover, he's not a cover man. He's, he's a defensive end and he, Defensive end should not be covering. That's not what they do. And when you put them out there, that is a bad matchup. And Aaron Rodgers, being a great quarterback, can pick that apart. And he did. We were playing. Steelers are playing. Not we. I'm not playing for them. The Steelers are playing poorly on all facets of the game. And we had a 20-yard punt on Sunday. Rookie punter that we drafted. We drafted a punter, you know, and let go our, our, our existing punter. But we, we're just not – there's something missing here, and it's only – I don't think it's going to get better. So here's the or, question, Chad. Yeah. Here is the, the question for Chad, the time-honored <laughs> Mike Tomlin uh, basher. So if the season ends and the Steelers are sub-500 team, which I, it's going to take a miracle for yeah. that not to happen, Yeah. Is, is it over for Tomlin? No. Should it be, should it be over for Tomlin? If you're asking me, it should have been over for Tomlin years ago. If you're asking, <laughs> will the Roonies get fired? Fire Tomlin. Tomlin, Tomlin should have been fired after the first game of the first season. No, no. I, I will say Tomlin should have lost his job two years after the Steelers lost to Green Bay in the Super Bowl because he wasn't getting it done. He had a lot of talent, not going. Wait, anywhere. what were their so what were their records? Eight in and eight. Two seasons. So two seasons of eight and eight. And then they went back to the Super Bowl. No, right? no, that they haven't been they haven't been to the Super Bowl since they lost to Green Bay. That's the last time they okay. even sniffed the Super Bowl. So yeah. and we've talked about this because the question is, but who are you going to replace? I don't know the answer to that. I, 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 the Rooney's will the Rooney family will never fire Mike Tomlin. Are you agreed with that? I won't say never, but I think it'll be real. I don't think it'll be I don't, I don't think it'll have anything to do with what he does on the field. He would yes, have to it would require him to basically be caught on video robbing a liquor store or um, a lap dance in your own restaurant. Like, yeah, that was a good move. Yeah. I mean, what are you, are you kidding me? Well, with urban Meyer. I, I here's, here's a theory I have. I think urban Meyer leaked the video because urban Meyer is going nowhere in Jacksonville. I don't, I don't think he did. I, I mean, you give him too much credit. I mean, that's pretty nefarious. <laughs> I've read other theories about he wants to get out and therefore then he can go coach USC. But here's the thing. That could have happened already. Sure. No, I, I think that he's uh, he look, I think he's a very good coach. And I actually think that if he's given enough time, he he can he can turn that team around. Sure. But I think the guy has a lot of demons. I mean, you you look back through when he was the apologist for the the guy that appears to be a serial yeah. wife abuser right at Ohio State. Yeah. And then the program when he was at Florida, you had all these guys on the police blotter. Yeah. Um, he doesn't he he's kind of Barry Switzer, except he doesn't look or sound like Barry Switzer. And I think he's a better coach than Barry Switzer, but he's got some issues. He has got some major issues. He does. He does. The Steelers will probably not fire Mike Tomlin short of an off the field incident that would require them to cut ties. I wouldn't be shocked <clears throat> if they gave him some pressure at some point to say, you, you might have to resign, but we're not going to fire you. I don't think they'll do that either, but 
I think they'll they'll always say, okay, well, Ben's 18-year vet. He's, he's just lost it. And Kevin Colbert put the team together, and you're just the coach, so it's not your fault. But you, you can only coach up what you got, and I don't think they've got a lot of talent. I mean, I think there's some talent. Who is – here's a question, Chad. Yeah. Who is the most successful African-American coach in the history of the NFL? Define successful. I, well, I'm just saying uh, you can define it. Who, who, in your view, whether you want to say by Super Bowls or uh, I'm interested in your answer because I'm thinking right now, uh, there's only two possible candidates for that designation. Tony, Dun- it's either Mike, it's either Mike Tomlin or Tony Dungy. Yeah. So <clears throat> here's what I would say to that question. I don't, and I'm not. I'm saying this with all sincerity. The color of your skin has zero to do with your ability to coach. So when we make a clear, ah, but that's we, the reason I asked the question well, because yeah. you know full well oh, yeah. that in the NFL sure. that matters supremely. Yep. Yes, it does, and it, but it shouldn't because when you put the qualifier on, when I, when I hear somebody say, "Well, that's the fastest woman," well, no, is it the fastest person or the fastest woman? Is it is it the best black head coach? How about the best Hispanic head coach? Right. Well, that no, be but I understand what you're saying, but my point is that, first of all, you look at the, the history of the Rooney organization, yeah. meaning they've had three coaches in their history, basically, mm-hmm. right? Chuck Knoll, Bill well, Cowher. Well, since the 1930s, since the founding of the club, right. owned it right. more than that. But, and, but more, more important, Super Bowl era, yeah. In the, in the new woke NFL, mm-hmm. the idea that any team would have the guts to fire the the halo African-American coach in that league, they will never, ever do it. They would be run out of town on a rail. Um, They actually wouldn't be, except the media gets outsized influence. They would never dare because they would be pilloried and they would be castigated and they would be boycotted and whatever else because you simply can't do that. Well, right. But Tony Dungy got fired in Tampa Bay. And the next year, when, and when did Tony Dungy get fired in Tampa Bay? How many years ago? Well, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we are living in the yeah. twilight zone compared to 20 years ago. Might as well be the era of the dinosaurs compared to now. Well, so Anthony, Tony Dungy could never have been fired today. <clears throat> that would never have happened. Yeah. Well, Anthony Lynn got Fired by the Chargers. He was black. Yeah. And he was the team was unsuccessful. Yeah. And he was underachieving and he did not have the cachet that someone like Mike Tomlin or Tony Dungy had. So if Mike Tomlin had not won a Super Bowl and he's won one, would he have that same cachet? Yes. Because he would still be among the pantheon of as since we're doing the tribal thing which must be done yeah. of african american head coaches because how many articles have you read chad <laughs> every year and every month about the dreadful lack of minority hires yeah. and, and look we can have a separate debate about that uh you know whether or not that's that's merited i, I don't think it it is and and the reason i say i don't think it is is because there is no more bottom line business mm-hmm. than the nfl now am i blind to the fact that in any walk of life, there's old boys, networks, et cetera. But here's the thing. If you have the ability in the NFL and demonstrated, you are going to get the job. 
Mm-hmm. You just are. I, again, I, I fundamentally disagree. And you can, people can say, well, you're blind, you're naive, you're living in your white suburban bubble. If a team believed that an African-American coach was the best choice for the position, the idea that somehow they're going to be prevented from hiring that person because no. they'd rather have a white guy is just pure nonsense. No, I, I, I think there was a time when that would be true. I don't think I agree. I don't, that time is not now. And that time has not existed. That time has not existed for, for 20 years. There's too much money at stake. Oh, yeah. They want to win. I mean, if nothing else, every NFL team owner wants to win. Now, will they? No, obviously not. But they want to. Now, how much effort they put into it? But that, you saw that with black quarterbacks. You know, there, there was uh, the Steelers had one in 1975. Uh, who was actually very, very good. He was good. He he and Terry Bradshaw went back and forth, and Bradshaw eventually won out. But you saw it was not until, until Warren Moon, I believe, and Doug Williams that you even saw something in the 80s. So it, it took a long time. Then you get Cam Newton. You get uh, Patrick Mahomes. You, I can't name anyone else right now, but there's many, many cents. So you know, Chad, what the moral, of this, the moral of this segment is, you will never be rid of Mike Tomlin. I simply want you to marinate on that reality that Mike Tomlin will exist as the Steelers head coach. Uh, basic, cause how old is Tomlin? I believe he's in his late forties at this point. So are you sure he's not 50? I don't, I'll, let me look it up while you're talking. I don't. Well, so unless he chooses to walk away of his own volition, Mike Tomlin will be the coach of the Steelers for at least the next 12 years. If he's 48, he's 49. He's 49. Mark, yeah. Mark. You got another, you have another decade of gnashing your teeth over Mike Tomlin. Well, and, and here's the thing. Could he leave? Yeah. He, he's not going to leave to take another coaching job. I wouldn't imagine on his own. He, he might take no, it. He'd retire. He'd retire. Yeah. He'd go into the booth or whatever. He's not going to another NFL franchise as a coach. Right. And maybe he wants to say, I want to build my own team. He, he inherited Roethlisberger and had Roethlisberger been a couple years before he came in. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's believing the rumors that maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to come to Pittsburgh. I don't know why, but maybe that's what he's thinking. I'm I'm sure. I guess I don't know. I, he might be there for ten years. He 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 might not. I mean, Chuck Noll overstayed his welcome, and, and Chuck Noll won four Super Bowls. He overstayed his welcome. He should not have stuck around as long as he did. He he was not getting the job done, but they didn't want to fire him because he won four Super Bowls. I, if if Mike Tomlin was white. Mike Tomlin wouldn't have a job right now. Not not with the Steelers. I think he would have been relieved of his duties, no contract extensions years ago. But because he's black, he gets to stick around longer. Right or wrong. I actually think the closest, and I don't think it was very close, but I think the closest that Tomlin would have come to being on the hot seat is when it appeared that Antonio Brown was basically running the team. Yeah. uh, And embarrassing the team. And taking videos on his phone of team, uh, you know, meetings in the locker room, that was the kind of thing that would get the attention of the Roonies, which is, have you lost control of the locker room, right? Because we don't do things to embarrass the organization. And again, I don't think he ever came close to that even being a consideration, but those are the only kind of things that would, would take him down. And of course they got that buttoned up. Yeah. The, the malcontents are gone. Le'Veon's gone. Yeah. Of course, Antonio is now actually looking like the, yeah. you know, the number exactly. two receiver in Tampa. Exactly. Uh, so 
All right. So is that the extent of your, your ravings? That well, really it, wasn't very much of a, of a screen. I just, I, I, just I, I see there's some good teams in the NFL. There's some really bad teams in the NFL. Just poorly play. I'm not seeing great execution play in and play out by all the teams. Let's put it that way. I feel like they're missing something. Uh, in a college world, Michigan scares me in in a bad way. Um, oh, you think they're actually good this year? No, I do not. I think they haven't been tested yet, and when they are, I don't think they're going to pull through. Uh, that's that's my gut. That's what I feel. Doesn't mean it's true. Um, Tennessee is average. I mean, they beat up on Missouri, but Missouri must be really bad. <laughs> Tennessee's not that good. So it, it questions. Well, you got to figure that uh, at some point Harbaugh, Harbaugh might get it right. Uh, Maybe. I don't. He might. I do think uh, it is a the the rebuttable presumption is until they actually show that they're not a paper tiger. Yeah, you have to assume that they're 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 not they're going to implode at some well, point. They're they're in the Big Ten. They've been successful in the Big Ten for the most part. Well, sort of. They've never won a Big Ten championship under Harbaugh. No, they haven't. And it, I I don't think they're going to this year. They still have to play Penn State and Ohio State, and I don't think they're going to win both of those games. So there's no way there's no way they win both of those games. I don't know because Ohio state, if people haven't noticed, unfortunately they looked very mediocre. Mm -hmm. They're kind of rounding into form. They, they, um, I actually expect them to win the league. Yes. Well, I mean, they got the one loss, so it's Penn. I think, look, I think Penn state is legit. Penn state is a very good team. But I don't think that they, when it comes down to it, they don't have the offensive firepower no. uh, to hang with Ohio State. If Ohio State is playing well, I think they're better. I think talent-wise, I think that definitely Ohio State is better than Penn State, and I think they're both better than Michigan, honestly, until I see otherwise. You, I haven't- and we'll see. We'll see whether Iowa's the real deal or not. Because Iowa right now is actually, uh, I think you probably know this, is ranked number three yeah. in the country. And which- Iowa gives Penn State problems they, they for whatever reason they match up and this is year in and year out it doesn't mean i wins every year but they match up usually fairly well with penn state and gives them fits so just like indiana did last year to penn state just a, a matchup issue we'll see I, it's not a lot of rant it's just the, the steelers in my opinion are done this year they're, they're one in three i don't see yeah, no they are they are done um they're going to be lucky to win seven games i think seven is i guess i hope i'm wrong at the end of the season but seven would be a high number that i don't think they can reach based on how they're playing right now quarter ways through the season they don't look like they can beat six more teams who else are they going to beat in their division they're not that's the thing the browns are improved the Bengals are improved the browns are better the Bengals are actually better and the ravens are better yeah they're all better than the steelers the steelers deserve to be in last place in their division and because they are not a good team and I'll tell you what, the Steelers got very fortunate that they hit Buffalo yes. in week one yes. because Buffalo is now like a runaway freight train, and that was an outlier game. If they had played Buffalo this week, they would have lost oh. like 50-3. to three. They, They'd be 0-4 if they played them this week. That, that's reality. So that's all I got tonight, Tony. Anything else from you? We've done far enough. We always do. That's, that's a great thing. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night.
this has been a Hannah Tree production.